requirement for the teachers. But um, there's one element that was missing before I left. Air conditioning. And y'all know it's been hot here. Like it was like 91 degrees here yesterday, right? Well, there it's hot too. <laughs> and and the, the difference is, is we get the escape of being able to get into a car with air conditioning and drive down the road. Or we can go into our home and we can lower the temperature a little bit to enjoy that. But poor Hannah, for a couple nights, she's going to be hot. But you know, you know what's funny is, is that um, the first night that she stayed in her apartment, um, I came and talked to her the next day. I said, well, how do you do? She said, actually, I got cold last night. She said, I had, to, I had to turn one of my fans off. I'm like, you were meant for here, girl. That's all I got to say. <laughs> it, it took me two years to get that acclimated. <laughs> and the last six, I did it without air conditioning. But I said, I told um, our administrator, I said, look, we will raise the funds to put air conditioning because... Not that they need it all the time, but you need a little bit of air to go to sleep on, right? Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. So I have committed us, without your, uh, without your um, um, uh, approval, because, you know, it's only going to take $3,000 to put air conditions in nine uh, different bedrooms for, for our teachers. And, we have five American teachers that are going to be there, and uh, we have 26 staff all together in school. We have 280 students this year. We have 150 kids on the waiting list. This year, our, our, the school that we had the privilege of, of planting and founding, this year it has gained an acclamation and, uh, and fame that even the mayor has put his kids in. Isn't that crazy? So we're, reach, we're reaching from the lowest of the low to the highest of the high. And God is allowing us, because, you know, what, what, what I recognize when I see that is, is that I see poor families building relationships with wealthy families. And let me tell you something. Uh, Gerald, uh, out of the Philippines, Holloway, a missionary to the Philippines for many, many years, he said, if you can reach, the higher you can reach and gain the hearts of the kings, he said, the lower you'll be able to reach to reach the paupers. And so I'm so excited to see God moving in such a way that we're reaching the king's kids and it's allowing us to reach those who are unable and fortunate to have the privilege. So God is good, amen? And we have sent Hannah into that mission field to be able to touch lives and transform hearts to, for her to love on those kids. And I'm so excited for her. She was, she, just let you know, Pam, she was a little teary-eyed when I left because, you know, the, 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 comfort, um, the, the comfort blanket was pulled out from under her when I walked out the door. <laughs> but uh, she had already made some friends, and so I'm excited for what God has in store. Amen. You know, the reality is, is that all of us want to go to another level, right? I mean, we, we, we take everything to the next level. If we're in an argument, we always want to take it to the next level. You know, if one gets loud, we've got to be just a decibel louder, right? We, it, it, it just happens. That's just our natural flow. We just take everything... Right now, we're in football season. You know, everybody's in their 
football camps, right? We got Auburn's probably in their football camp. Is that right? Got an Auburn fan here. Poor thing. I mean, bless his heart. I mean, uh, praise God. <laughs> we love everybody. How many know everybody needs Jesus? <laughs> Even Auburn fans. <laughs> we Tennessee fans need Jesus. How many know this? I think sometimes we get pious because reality is is that even Christians need Jesus. The saint, the sinner, everybody. Mike, it's good to see you, brother. I'm so glad. Thank you, Jesus. Glad you're here, man. Glad you're doing well. Hey, listen, everybody needs Jesus. I think sometimes we get into a position and, and we say these things with a, under, with, with a mindset of, yeah, they, they need Jesus. Right? Don't we get that way? Man, they, they just need Jesus. And the reality is, is we all need Jesus. Because we don't have the sustainability to walk a life out for Jesus Christ. Without him, we need Jesus. And so everybody's taking it to the next level because, you know, here these teams are um, that, you know, do well, like the A word. Ugh. And then Clemson. And Tennessee's actually doing better. Look, they've got a better recruit. They're going to the next level, right? We ain't saying that word. That's dirty words. <laughs> Cornelia, Ed, it's good to see you guys this morning. Praise God. Hey, man, that's right. That's okay. We can celebrate, celebrate people. But, you know, the reality is, is that we all want to go to another level. And, and the thing is, is that we talk about next level in churches a lot. And, and when we think about next level, a lot of times we think about, well, uh, they're running more people. They must be moving to the next level. Or we think about the, there's more finances we're going to the next level. But in reality, next level is not necessarily your numbers you're running, how much is in your bank, or how many projects you're got, you have going, or how many people you're feeding every week. What it matters is, is are you growing in Christ Jesus? Amen? Because we as Christians need to understand that we're all moving from one level of faith to another. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 18 says this, But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. We're being transformed from glory to glory. I mean, in other words, uh, the, the, John the Baptist said it this way. He said, I must decrease so that he can increase, right? So he understood the idea that the, the more that we get into the back scenes and the behind the scenes and we allow God, we push him into the front, front lines, then, then the more of him is present because we are called to be ambassadors of the kingdom. Amen? How many understand what ambassador is? See, because if an ambassador goes and says anything other than the king says, they get fired because as an ambassador, you are representing, representing the king. And so therefore, as we are being transformed from one level to the next, we become greater ambassadors. We are ambassadors in training so that we can glorify and bring glory to God in all of our life. Come on, somebody, amen? Amen. 
But in order to us, for us to get to that level, for order, in order for us to grow to that, there's a part that we must surrender to God. We must allow Him to be the Lord, the King of glory in our lives. And we must give ourselves over to Him so that He can grow, so he can grow in us. Amen? Say the word cooperate. Cooperate. How I many know a bunch of little kids, when they're playing together, it's hard for them to cooperate? Right? That's my toy. That's my Barbie. Huh? And they have a hard time cooperating. Well, as we grow in the Lord, we not only cooperate as a body functioning together with all of its many parts, but we first and foremost cooperate with the Holy Spirit because we give ourselves over to Him. That's the volunteer, the volunteer, that's a Spanish word. Uh, is it volunteer, Spanish or English? Volition. Is that English? <laughs> the will. There you go. I tell you what, boys, it's been rough. I've been speaking Spanglish all week. <laughs> and so we literally, we turn our will, understand that we are created by God for his glory, for his purpose, and therefore we give over our will to him. That's the, that's the, uh, the part of our cooperation. Lord, I don't have the answers. I don't know the way, but God, I trust you, Lord, and I surrender to your will amen amen but you know in this process how many know that there's confrontation say that word confrontation Woo! some of y'all know what that's about right because in the process of cooperation there's sometimes some confrontation you know those of you who've been married long enough y'all know what i'm talking about because the bible says and the two shall become one it didn't say bam y'all won <laughs> and then that becoming process, whoo, that's some. Lord Jesus, help us. Yeah. But the more we surrender to Him and the more we turn our lives over to Him, the greater revelation that He gives and the, the revelation that He gives us shows us a purpose that He has for us. And the more the purpose that we have, the greater depth of relationship that we gain and the greater faith that we have. And we see God working in marvelous, miraculous ways because it's not about us, it's all about Him. Amen? Praise God. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts chapter 26. If you don't have your Bible, Josh done hooked us up with it on the screen. Acts chapter 26, verse 14. And when we had, and when we had all fallen to the ground. Ooh, come on, somebody. Y'all yeah. need to grab that. All of them fell to the ground. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in, in Hebrew or Jewish Aramaic dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Ooh. Mm, how many of y'all had kids before? Really, the, the word, it's hard for me to kick against the goads, is actually an idiom, a saying of the time. It was, it's hard for animals uh, to, who are in a job to get out of that job. Because the prodding stick, the goad, right? And, and, and it's like, here is, here is Saul who is being knocked off of his horse. I mean, no confrontation, right? He's being knocked off of his horse because he thinks he's doing the right thing. How many know you can do something for God or you can do something from God? 
Amen? Oh, me, ouch, all that good stuff, right? And a lot of times we do stuff for God that God never told us to do. I mean, if you think about it, you look at, look at Saul, he was doing something for God. Even though it was against God's plan, even though it wasn't lining up with God's plan, he was vibrant, he was excited, he was zealous over doing something for God. And just because you think you're doing something for God doesn't mean it's from God. So we have to, in, in that process of doing something, sometimes God confronts us. Ouch! Lord, it's kind of like when I tell my kids, you know, clean your room. Look, the fact is, Sammy, they going to clean that room. And you can kick against the goad, <laughs> the prodding stick, all you want to. But you're going to clean that room. My kids have not been whipped with a belt in their whole life. Y'all can make, I talk big, but it ain't never happened. Not that, it, <clears throat> not that I can't. Because I sure got it. Love you, boys. But it's easy. I mean, you, it's, we can kick against it all we want to, but reality is at some point we will give way to God's plan because God wants us to align ourselves with him. And, and I'm going to tell you something. When you are doing something contrary to God's plan, it is miserable. You don't find joy in it. There's, look, there's billionaires who, who are living on, on the high life, and yet they're miserable. They're unhappy. They're committing suicide because they are not living God's plan. Money won't satisfy you. All the things, your toys won't satisfy you. Only Jesus satisfies. When, when you find the way of God, it will bring hope and life and peace and joy to your life. Amen. Amen. Saul was going the wrong direction. He meant well, but he needed to be arrested. How many know that we need to be arrested sometimes? We need, our, we need God to get our attention sometimes. And, and, and we might not always like the way God gets our attention because there's some things that may happen that might get our attention. I don't know about you, but I was running from God for a season, right? And, and, and in that running from God, I, I, God got my attention. There was dreams that was happening. There was two accidents that I should have been in and God saved me from. Literally, uh, I, I remember vividly waking up sweating and, and all these vibrant dreams that was happening god was arresting me he was wakening me up and, and some of us need to be awakened because we get so caught up in thinking that we're going the right direction and, and god has been trying to lead us and we get unfocused and we get out of whack and we get out of line with god's plan i've never been to a chiropractor see this body gets out of whack sometimes we got to go to snap, crackle, and pop. Get everything back going, right? God wants to arrest us to get our attention. God confronts us in order to bring us to the next level of obedience. It's not because he's mad at us. It's not because he doesn't like us. God confronts us because he loves us so much that he doesn't want you to continue in a journey that will lead you to nowhere. God wants you to be on the same page. He wants to bring revelation to your life. He wants you to accomplish what purposes that he has created you for. 
Can I get a witness? Right? And, and so therefore, I mean, you can look throughout history. He has over and over again confronted people. We look at Jacob. Jacob in Genesis chapter 32, we find him at the fort of Jabbok. And, and there he was going to meet his brother Esau because he knew he had to get things right. But in the process of going to meet Esau, the Bible says that he sent everything he had over uh, the fort of Jabbok and he stayed back and there he was confronted by God. How many know that sometimes we get so distracted by our stuff that we can't hear the voice of God? God wants to speak to us and, and, and though we are in a process of getting things right, God's saying, I need your full attention. I've got a plan for you. And so he sends everything over. Sometimes we've got to position ourselves so that we can be in the posture of hearing the voice of God. Amen. So, <laughs> but in this process of being there, Jacob, he had to, the Lord asked him, what is your name? How many know that you've got to be self-aware of who you are? Because if you're walking around and you think you're so high and mighty and you think, well, I'm good, I'm good. The fact is, is that the Bible says, be careful when you say you're good, unless you're bad, right? Be careful to say that I'm righteous when you, all along you might not be righteous. And you have to be self-aware because what he said, what is your name? He said, my name is Jacob. Yes, you finally got it right, boy. You finally understood that you are a deceiver. Whew. And, and, and when we come to that place, say, Lord, I don't have this. My name is is identifying myself. My actions have identified something that my mouth has not proclaimed. And, and though I say I love Jesus, and though I say I'm uh, super excited about Jesus, my lifestyle is not walking and matching up with what my mouth says because I'm living a life that is not pleasing to you because there's more that you have for me, and I have, I'm deceiving myself, old Jacob. But thank God. That when we get to the place of self-awareness and we can say to ourselves, Lord, son, you better get yourself right. Boy, you, you, you've got to be self-aware. I'm weak. How many know that, especially us men, <clears throat> we strong, right? And, and so we like to actualize as if we're strong and mighty and we don't like to uh, portray our emotions. We don't like to tell anybody when we're down. We, don't, we struggle with sharing our secrets because we don't want anybody to know about the private life that we have and all along God's saying if you will just declare who you are I can finally transform you but I can't transform you until you recognize who you are and so here it is he said I'm I'm Jacob and said look son thank you you finally identified who you are but from this day forward you will be Israel you'll be the body of Christ. You'll be the, the transformed generation that I have for you. Now, from now on, you will be Israel. Awesome. Praise God. So God confronted Jacob. God confronted Moses at a burning bush in, a, in Exodus chapter 3. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the, the bush was burning with fire, and yet the bush was not consumed. And, and this is what he said. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. And, go, and, and this, is, this is what's good. I mean, if you got it, your Bible there, and you want to turn to Exodus chapter 3, underline verse 4. When the Lord saw that he turned aside and looked... Look, how many burning bushes have you passed by? Mm. 
How many things has God put in front of you to show you direction, to give you a direction, to awaken you from your stumper or your sleep? And all of a sudden, God's saying, look, if you'll just turn aside, I've got a word for you. God wants us to turn aside. But if we get so busy in life that we're unwilling to turn aside to see what the Lord says, then we miss what God has to say to us. Sally, is that a good amen? That's a good amen spot in there. Yeah. We've got to be willing. We've got to be willing to stop because you know what? We, we get so accustomed and happy in our own routines. How many like routines? Yeah. We get so accustomed of doing the same thing for living out for whether it be our children or for our spouse. And, and God's saying, look, if you'll just tweak something a little bit, because if you keep doing the same thing, you're going to keep getting what you got. And if you truly want to experience me, then you've got to do something different because i am got the flashlights all around you, but you're not looking. Kind of like the guy who, you know, drowned in the flood, right? Y'all probably heard this. guy got to heaven said lord i thought you would save me he said well i sent a boat by and you didn't get in the boat he said i sent a helicopter by and you wouldn't get in the helicopter so he drowned sometimes we're waiting we're waiting on some supernatural event to take place from some pie in the sky you know light from heaven to shine down and go whoo this is what i want you to do and all of a sudden, God's just sending people by all the time telling you, telling, hey, have you thought about this? Hey, God, God's been speaking to me, and man, this is what the Lord's got in my heart. Man, Cornelia, God's got something special for you. And you're waiting for God to speak, and God's using people all around you. If you'll just listen, if you'll just turn aside and, and just for a minute say, yes, God. Yes, Lord, I will entertain that because if I will just stop for a minute and entertain a burning bush, God could speak to me. The other side of that is Moses had to get past himself. Who am I, he says? Who am I that I could do this? And finally God says, it's not about who you are, it's about I am. <laughs> Amen? Because if we can get past ourselves, I am can speak through us, and I am can use us, and I am can give us the power and authority to overcome whatever obstacle might be in our way. Amen. 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 I mean, look, Gideon was, <laughs> poor Gideon, Gideon was in the threshing floor, in the wine press, threshing wheat. He was all out of whack, he was hiding. Let me understand something. God came to him. He didn't say, you poor idiot. What are you doing in this? Right? He said, oh, mighty warrior. Sometimes we just need to let God speak into us. Because God knows who you are. You might feel like a woebegone weakling hiding in your, in your, in your wine press, threshing your wheat because you're afraid of the enemy. And God is speaking to you and saying, oh, you're a mighty warrior. And you're saying, that's not me, God. I know who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm from the least tribe. I'm the least of my tribe, and it's the least tribe. I'm here because I'm afraid. And what, what God's saying, no, you're not here because you're afraid. You're here because you haven't trusted me yet. 
Because, Brother Jerry, when you trust God, God will make you into a mighty warrior. He can declare things over your life. He can declare who you are. You are a mighty warrior of God. You might feel like a woebegone weakling. And let me tell you something. The enemy wants you to feel bad all the time. He wants you to be down all the time. But when you will believe the declaration of God in your life that you are a mighty warrior of God. Amen. You look to somebody and say, you're a mighty warrior. Just in case the next person beside you didn't get that word, you tell them too. You are a mighty warrior. Yes. Yes. And you see what God did through Gideon. God used him as a mighty warrior and, 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 and even reduced all of the greatness and down to small group. Let me tell you something. It doesn't take numbers to be overcomers. Because if one can cast a thousand, two can cast ten thousand. Amen. What matters is, is are we united together in the kingdom of God, trusting that God will lead us? And let me tell you, that starts with a confrontation because you have to get to the place that you know who you are. And even Paul said it best. He said, I will glory in my weakness because when I am weak, it is when he is strong. Amen. Amen. We have to get to that place. Of confrontation that God allowing God to confront confront us but when we allow him to do that God brings revelation he doesn't confront you just to push you around but he he confronts you to show you something that is powerful because we can read on and we can see that once the Lord got Saul's attention there in Acts chapter 26 that he reveals himself to him he says who are you Lord and the Lord said I am Jesus I am Jesus. Saul had to have a revelation of the lordship of Jesus Christ. How many know when you get a revelation of the lordship of Christ, everything changes? Everything changes. Because every spiritual promotion comes from seeing a new facet of Jesus Christ. Look, had I not been healed as a young man, I would not have the full faith of understanding of God's healing. Had I not been delivered as a young man, I would not have a grasp of the, uh, of the fullness of his deliverance. So every facet that God presents to me, everything that he has done to me, every experience that I've gained, Mary, is the fact that God has shown, shown me a deeper revelation of who he is. And so, like, like the last time I was here, we brought those down. I asked people, if you have been delivered from this, you, I want you to come and pray. Because when you have been delivered from something, when you have been transformed from something, you understand that if the same God can do it for you, he can do it for somebody else. Amen? And so the same God who delivered me, the same God who saved me, the same God who healed me is the same God who can save, heal, and deliver today. If we will walk in faith and walk in trust and know that he is able, then he's also willing. Amen. Jacob saw the ladder. Moses saw the burning bush. Peter saw a sheet coming down on a, on a housetop. I don't know what you have seen, but I know God has revealed himself to you because the reason that you're here is because God has done something in your life. Amen? How many God's transformed your life before? Amen. How many have been healed before? Yeah. So we know it's real. We don't have to wonder when the enemy comes in and tries to Plant these seeds of doubt. It's not real. You can point back to a time and date and say, you know what? I know it's real. 
Because I know what I used to be. I know where I once was. I know God is real. I know that, that he did it for me. And if he can do it for me, nobody's exempt. Because everybody needs Jesus. Amen. That's all right. Give God praise. Amen. And when God reveals himself, he brings us a commission. How I many of God didn't save you to sit on a pew? Ouch. Y'all are the workiest group I've ever seen in my life. But God never saved us to do nothing. Because God's not a God of nothing, right? Yeah, because nothing is impossible for him. To do nothing is impossible for God. So therefore, if God is a God that is about something, then when he saved you and he transformed your life, it was for something. To do something, to be an action, because faith without works is dead. So if we have faith, then therefore we should demonstrate what God has done in our life through action, right? It's not that we do actions to receive the love of God, but, there, but if we have faith in God and know that he saved us, there should be some actions that follow. There should be some works that, that show of your repentance, right? Amen? Oh, me and ouch and woo, come on. Amen. In verse 16 of, of Acts chapter 26, it goes on and it says, Arise and stand on your feet, right? Get up, stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you to appoint you to appoint you a minister and a witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things which I will appear to you. In other words, I've already showed you something, but if you'll get up and follow me, I'm going to show you something more. Say more with me. More. God wants to show you more. Amen? I see through a glass dimly, but one day I'm going to see face to face. I'm seeing a little bit now, but there's more that he's got for me. Amen? There's more that he has for me, and I want not just a little bit, I want more of what God has. Every revelation is to help you find your destiny and your purpose. I have appeared to you for this purpose. And God has a purpose and a plan for your life that you have not been walking at this point. I mean, when I look around this church, I'm thinking we need children's workers. We need youth workers. We need more greeters. We need more ushers. We need a parking lot committee. Come on, somebody. Yeah. We need more people to work at at Manna Outreach Ministries. We need some more laborers in the kingdom. We need more people for God's kitchen. We need more people for God's closet, right? I can keep on going, right? We, 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 there's so many places that you can fit that, that you don't have to sit around and wonder, what can I do? Because we need more singers. We need more musicians. We need more people activated. And in the body of Christ, look, if we had two guitarists, if we had two drummers, if we had two bass players, if we had eight singers, if we had, come on, then, then we could have a rotation process. If we had more Sundays, uh, connection group teachers, if we, boy, I caught myself there. If we, had, if we had more people involved, then nobody would get burned out in anything because there would be plenty of people operating in their spiritual gifts doing something for the kingdom of God. And if God's called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light, then he's got a plan for your life. Amen? And everybody can do something. 
everybody can do something. My, my, my little Sunday school teacher when I was growing up, she was an, a retired lady. And bless her heart, she had to put up with me. But she had such a way with kids. And I remember Randy sitting in her class. She was so passionate. Most people now, when they get older, that well, that's somebody else's job now. But she was older, and she had such a way with children. She just, I mean, it, I don't know if it was the respect that she demanded because of, of her being older or what. And, and I know I'm not that old, right? Can I get an amen? Thank you, I needed that. Whew. I know I'm not that old, but, but she was still using the flannel graph. How many, how many remember the flannel graphs, right? And, 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 and it vivid, I mean, it's, it's, I still remember this day being in that class and her teaching because she was an anointed woman of God. Look, God's not put a timetable on your calling. God's not said he's done with you. Well, I've turned 65, so I'm done. Look, until we, until we breathe the last breath, our ministry still continues. It may change in fashion and form with our abilities, but at the same time, it doesn't mean that we've stopped being a child of God. It doesn't, doesn't stop the fact that we still need somebody to mentor us. We still need somebody to teach. We still need somebody that can pour into us, who can pray, who can seek the face of God with us to teach us about what that looks like. Because the fact is, is I guarantee you, some of you guys can tell me stories that make the hair stand up on my head, even the ones I don't have. About how God moved in your life. About how God transformed. About how you were sitting in a church one day and the power of God came down and miraculous things took place. I need to hear it, but I don't need to hear it. These boys need to hear it. These young people need to hear it. These children need to hear it because they're going through a world who's tried to, to, to blot out everything Christian, who's trying to blot out everything miraculous, trying to explain it away, but they can't explain away what God did in my life. Amen. And so you, God brings revelation so that he can bring a commission to you. He shows you a purpose. And God wants you to fulfill that purpose. And, 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 and when we are commissioned, we are demanded to obey the heavenly vision. So, so how does that look? Well, for, for Moses, it was, it was how did he bring them out of, to the promised land? The fact is, is we got to start where we are. I've always wanted to play the piano. Angie, I wanted to be able to play that thing. Like, I just want to sit down like Dre. And I hated having to start with Mary Little Lamb. Mary had a little. I want to start with God, just bring the language of music into my life so that I could just play it out there. Right? But the fact is, is no matter where you are in your relationship, you have to start where you are. And the great thing with God is that his, his timeline is different because he can give you a revelation that would absolutely be the most deep relation, uh, revelation that you've ever experienced. In other words, tomorrow you might say, well, I just got saved and tomorrow you're preaching. Well, I don't know about that. Oh, yeah. Saul was transitioned to Paul, right? The Bible says that he started in... Damascus, right? Where was Damascus? That's where he was going. Guess what? He got saved 
with a revelation of Christ Jesus and immediately begin declaring what he had experienced. Because sometimes I think we have all these theological things that we think we have to know. And what we really need to know is, man, Jesus just changed my life. Jesus just messed me up, dude. I was going this way and bam, I mean, everything's changed. I mean, my whole perspective's changed. My whole life's changed. I mean, I can't do the same things I used to do anymore because when I do them, I just don't feel good anymore. God changed my life. And we'll let God change our life. We'll start where we are. Quit trying to be somebody else. Look, you'll never be T.D. Jake. Bless God, right? You'll never be T.L. Lowry. I mean, those are the things that I had to get in my brain. Man, I wanted to have, I wanted to have that beautiful flowing white hair and have my 30-pound Bible and knock people over the head with it. Huh? Yeah. I wanted to be R.W. Shambach. Bless God! But at some point, I had to recognize that God called me to be Paul Dyer. I have a brother who's a pastor, and I, and, and I felt like my parents always wanted me to be like, be like him. He was the dean's list kid. I was the socialite. Don't get him. I just wasn't that person. And I had to come to that place in my life that God didn't call me to be them. He called me to be me. And, and what that looked like for me was whatever he wanted it to be. And so I had to surrender to that plan. I had to start where I was. And from there, God began to bring revelation. He began to teach. He began to train and equip me for what he wanted me to do. Not somebody else, but me. And look, God has something specific for every single one of you. It may not be what your mother or daddy did. It may not be what your brother or your grandfather told you you might do. It, it just might be something different. And that's okay. Because if God says it, then he will also, if he anoints it, and appoint, if he appoints it, he'll anoint it, right? And if God appoints it in your life, he will also give you the direction to show you how it should operate. Amen. Amen. Somebody come to this piano. I'm, 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 I got two more points and I'm closing. I'm landing the plane. I, I like what Dre does this. Come on. I'm landing the plane. I don't even know what time it is. Thank God. I'm not even going to look at my clock. Our first step of obedience is to start obeying God by surrendering our home, by surrendering our family. I mean, the Bible tells us that if you can't lead your own family, right? Come on. If, if we can't start where we are at home, it's got to start at the home front. We've got to be godly in our home. Amen? Because there's so many people who I've heard kids tell me, I, it's fun being a, a, a counselor at youth camp because kids just say, they say truth, right? And parents, let me tell you something. Your kids are watching you. If you come to church and you raise your hands and you praise God here and you go home and you're living a double standard, well, I didn't write the music today. That old preacher, he just preached too long. He shouts too much. He's driving me nuts. Hey, listen, it happens, right? 
had one lady tell me, she said, I've been praying for my husband for so long, but yet she was the most negative person I've ever met in my life. She complained about